Sirens. Chapter 2 It was hard to disentangle herself from ash in the sheets the next day. Only the insistent droning of the alarm, placed across the room and out of easy snooze territory, managed to budge her. She half fell out of bed and swayed, yawning, when she tucked the sheets back up around Ash. Food. Coffee. She scratched her stomach. Coffee. Shower. Food. Yes. She dumped sugar in her cup. Matt was probably right, and working nights was bad for you. But she didn't quite even manage that. She usually woke up late in the day, so she could do errands before places closed, but still be up long enough to spend time with Ash. Sleep was a bit rough, but caffeine bridged the gaps. Fed and dressed, she was back up to speed. She shoved her wallet and phone into her bag, checking that her knife was in there. Smaller than her favorite, but less obvious when she went shopping. Compact umbrella, sunglasses, bottle of water. She still didn't understand coastal weather. She debated makeup, then decided against it. When they went out for the tourist things, maybe. Before she left, she went back to the bedroom, making sure Ash was still properly tucked in. Of course she was. Moving once the sun rose was... impossible? Almost impossible? She was pliable, like a deep sleeper. But Marianne never knew if she moved, or if they woke up in different positions because she was a pretty good body pillow. That's not why you're here. She touched Ash's thick braid, straightening it with care over the dove-gray pillow, then kissed her cheek. Seeing her like this made her want to climb back into bed. She looked at Ash a lot, as much as she could. Whatever Marianne felt as she contemplated her sleeping face, somewhere in Ash's mind, maybe she was aware of it too. So she tried to feel the cheesy things that she had a hard time saying. There was a garage in the basement of the apartment complex. Despite already being safely under shelter, a canvas cover was spread out over the car. She carefully folded it and stowed it in the plastic bin by the wall. It was kind of cool, the ceremony of it, and reminded her not to get into an accident. The car rumbled to life. She smiled, hands caressing the wheel, before maneuvering out of the garage and into Vancouver traffic. The address that John had emailed her was in Burnaby. Not a place she'd been to, as far as she could remember. The directions she'd written out and the map of the city got her close enough that a convenience store clerk knew what she was talking about. The area was a little run down, the way light industrial areas could be, but the car lot and the garage and small storefront didn't look like serial killers would be lurking around. She parked out front and took out her cell phone. Another gift from Ash but an extravagance that she'd been thinking about getting for herself, because how cool was that, to make phone calls from anywhere? She hadn't been able to stop grinning. The first thing she'd done was call Charlene from the balcony, feeling especially sophisticated. The only thing that was missing was the chirp, and it would be like Star Trek. She looked down. Grey shirt, not red. She was safe. She dialed John's number, probably still on the road, though, and he didn't answer. A knock on the window made her jump. A heavy-set guy in coveralls peered in. She rolled down the window a bit. Help you? Is John here? He looked towards the garage, considering. Got a couple of them. Campbell, coming down from Prince. Ah, not here yet. He called when he was gassing up. Shouldn't be long now. You can come in and wait if you want. 
get some coffee. Her thanks was enthusiastic enough to make him smile. It was drinkable, with enough sugar. She slouched back in the cracked green naugahyde chair, half watching the TV, while she made small talk with the coverall guy. The smell of scorched coffee and engines seeped into her mind. Machine sounds floated out the door behind the counter. She could just see a car up on a jack, another mechanic working on it, throwing distorted shadows on the wall from the light hooked up beside him. All that was missing was the grease from the fryer. She rubbed her thumb over the worn gas station logo on the cup. Ash, sitting at the end of the counter. Ash, telling stories of amazing places. Rain or no rain, Vancouver was a million times better than back home. There would be more great things. She knew it. The coverall guy jerked his chin toward the parking lot. Not your car out there? Yeah. Can't imagine how much babysitting that took. They were hellions. I charged double. A custom-painted Chevy Dooley, all shiny and spotless, pulled into the lot. She recognized the head and hat silhouette of the driver. It's a lot of truck, coverall guy said, peering out the window. I could think of better things to do with that kind of money. Like buy a Ford? You would say that. She stood up, then dropped back down again when she realized John was going to take a while, between checking over the truck, she guessed, and shooting the shit. Anyone who accused women of gossip could never have listened to a bunch of middle-aged guys standing around a machine. Someone finally must have mentioned that she was there because the footsteps coming toward the office were fast. She stood up again, smoothing her hands down the front of her jeans. Sorry, just... There was an awkward moment of shuffling. Then John hugged her. Man, it felt good. He lifted her clear off her feet for it and set her down gently. Not weird, right? Not weird, she nodded. Let me grab my bag. He was another twenty minutes saying goodbye before sliding into the passenger seat with an overnight bag, backpack, and a four-liter pail wrapped protectively in a plastic bag. It had held chocolate ice cream at some long-distant point in the past. Nice ride, isn't it? Boss lets me borrow it. Nice boss. Step up from the gas station. You look good. City must be treating you right. Landed on my feet, I guess. I like your hat. He tapped the beak of his oiler's cap. Sure you should be wearing that? This is Canucks territory. All the more reason. Shit disturber. Rabble rouser, he nodded agreeably. If we get egged by an angry hockey fan. Mighty rough down here in the big city. So you're staying a few days, right? Thought I could enjoy the famous Lotus Land weather. Lotus Land. It rains so much. I didn't know it was even possible. I have an extra umbrella, though. We can paint the town red. You can take the time off? I got some leave built up, and I work nights. She caught his quick look. That didn't come out right. Yep, maybe a bit. I told you that I'm like a personal assistant. The company is this big international thing. Right now there's some big deal going on in Europe, so we're up nights talking to people in Germany and stuff. It's all in the up and up? Businessy things? She shrugged. I just do the mail and pick up dry cleaning, write down appointments. I know where the all-night dry cleaners are. That kind of thing. They have those? I think they have everything here. She tuned the radio to a country and western station. Blue Rodeo started singing about bad timing. I wasn't sure if you wanted to rest and stuff tonight. The whale-watching tour is tomorrow. Could use some rest. Find a service. Ah, right. Shit. Shit. Sorry. Shit. 
I'm guessing you don't know where I can find a church. I'd burst into flames. The hotel people will know. She pulled up at the front entrance, not quite holding her breath. He took in the fancy building, with its valet and doorman, and the inviting warmth of its windows. Holiday Inn has changed. This one is older. Ancient. Cheap as dust. John fidgeted during check-in, smoothing his plaid shirt and straightening his cap. She got a couple of pamphlets and a map with directions to the nearest church. Marlene Dietrich stayed here. All kinds of famous people. She unlocked his door. If there's any problem or you need anything, just ask. You can get room service if you want. There's a bunch of services here. Pool and stuff. She opened the curtains. Maybe not the best view in the city, but it has great reviews. Marianne, hang on. It's no good. She fiddled with her keys, then shoved them into her pocket. It's great. Way more than I need. This has to be expensive. It's not so bad. Corporate discount, you know? It wasn't really true. She was footing the bill herself, but she figured his soul wouldn't take the hit if she was the one lying. He might feel weird about being treated to a luxury place if he knew the truth, and make her take him to a budget hotel. He tossed his bags on the luggage rack, took off his hat, rubbed his head, and replaced it. You know, maybe a bite to eat would be good. Know any burger joints? That I can do. There's one a couple blocks away if you don't mind the walk. She left the car in the care of the valet, pretty sure that movies were just movies and no one was going to take it for a joyride. Still made her twitchy, though. She and Ash had found the restaurant in their ongoing quest to find a burger as good as the one from that night. The driving night. Marianne knew they never would. Nothing could come close to that night. It meant plenty of good burgers, and this place was pretty great. As a bonus, they served cherry coke. She and John dug in. An expression of deep appreciation crossed his face. She relaxed and leaned back in the booth. The fries were good, too. She sprinkled vinegar on them and dipped one in ketchup. Your mom really wanted to come. They're all a bit worried about their jobs right now, though. She thought it was best she didn't ask for time off. She got in at the mill. I thought that was all union. Union isn't much help when they're talking about shutting down the whole shebang. Can't be running out of trees. He drank his beer, eyes distant. Things are strange up there. Not like it was. Said it was just gas pockets, didn't they? Thought they had it all figured out. Government came in after all that. Been crawling all over the place. They bulldozed a bunch of buildings. A few weeks before school let out, a girl made a joke about seeing things. And they evacuated the whole school. Took her away. Just in case, they said. She watched her knuckles grow white around her fork. That's weird for gas pockets, right? You ask people, they say gas pockets. You ask people over a beer. He shook his head. People see things. No one wants to say, because they'll take you away. Has anything else happened? Nothing like last summer. She carefully speared a fry. Sorry, I shouldn't have brought it up. It's okay. It was, like, a year ago. Your mom wondered if you should have stayed up there a little while longer. Make sure everything was okay. You mean make sure I really didn't want to get married. So the bitterness was still there, just a bit. Like remembering an injury, even when the pain was gone. Not that. Not just that, anyway. She wanted to take care of you. I'm okay. Better job than I could get back home. No government goons. Yeah. He tipped back his beer. Probably good you got out before all that. Moms are moms, though. 
It really isn't any better. Just strange. Nothing you can really put your finger on. Back in January, a whole street full of people, whole families, they just packed up and left. Less than a month and all the houses were vacant. Up where you used to live, your mom said. She reached for her cherry coke. It's a nice neighborhood, too. Nice? Not so nice? Doesn't seem to matter. You'll be driving along and there'll be all these empty buildings. There's that thing with the water turning black at your mom's place. That's happened a couple of times around town. Someone set fire to an elementary school one night. They found some bones. Heard that they had a guy in. Animal bone guy from UBC. Heard he couldn't tell what animal they were from. Government came in and took them all away. And the bone guy, too. That bunch. They took over the youth center up there on Connaught Hill. They say they're natural resources and environment. Just it's all fenced up. Bunch of temporary buildings set up on the field. And there are guards. Why would natural resources need guards? Look like cops, they say. Maybe military. No one is sure. People don't even want to walk by. If there's danger, they have to tell you, right? Thought so. That's what people keep saying. But those mills? And the mines and that refinery? All of that's a lot of money to lose if people panic. Your mom's mill shuts down. That's another nail in the coffin. Maybe they won't say. Maybe there are... What do they call them? Acceptable losses? She looked down at her plate, appetite vanishing. Sorry. This isn't good conversation for mealtime, is it? How many people have left? Unofficially? I'd say maybe down a quarter. Never been happier to be renting. He played with the label on his bottle. Your mom and I, we were talking about moving. Maybe Calgary. And you an Oilers fan? He laughed. Calgary's closer. Marianne blinked, taking a minute to figure out what he meant. Convenient for you, he cleared his throat. Lots of work, if this thing here falls through. She smiled. That was a smooth segue. Everything about this job sounds... You can trust me, can't you? Tim, I don't think I trust. Marianne hesitated. They didn't know she was dating. They knew she was making enough to live on her own, and the general idea of what she did. And the rest she left vague. Sleeping with the boss. So that sounded shifty. And the gay thing. Catholics didn't like that kind of thing. And her mom and everything. You're in luck, then. My boss is a woman. More or less. It was amazing how quickly his expression changed. The rest of the dinner was talking about whales and Bouchard Gardens. I didn't think you were into flowers. I promised your mom I'd take pictures. I hope it's okay. Sure. They're famous. Everyone should see them at least once, right? He waited with her while the valet retrieved the car. John adjusted his hat again, eyeing the uniformed doorman. You sure this is okay? Yeah. Charge everything you can to the room. Go crazy on the minibar. If you don't like it, I can find another hotel for you. She slid into the driver's seat. You forgot your pail. That's for you. Your mom cooked it up. He closed the door and waved, then nodded politely to the doorman and entered his luxury hotel like Indiana Jones heading into a tomb. She stopped at a bakery for good bread before going home. By the time Ash woke up, she was stirring her mom's chili on the stove, warming it slowly. Her eyes were closed, the mix of spices tickling her memory. That's a fine smell to wake up to. Ash hugged her from behind. Marianne smiled. 
Mom's chili. It's awesome. You'll love it. She paused. Actually, you'll probably hate it. I'll have to eat it all. Ash swatted her ass lightly. Imp. I bet it's delicious. Chili by candlelight was new. The nice bowls and heavy silverware made it look fancier, but in the end it was that same flavor. She'd know it in her sleep. This is really good. Damn. She dipped her bread. It's a mom thing, I guess. Specialty dishes. Stew, Ash said. Her voice was wistful. My ma made the best stew. Maybe if you can remember what was in it, we could try to cook it. Ash's eyes were warm. It isn't the same now. I never thought that mutton wouldn't taste like mutton, but so it goes. The way of it is lost, and some of the flavor was probably the scrapings baked into that old pot. Mom says that about her frying pans. I'm sorry, though. I'm so sorry about that. What happened? Nothing on you, my girl. The world is better for you. So am I. She broke up her bread. John says things are still pretty bad up north. Weird things happening. She passed on his gossip. Ash was quiet a moment. She could look right into Marianne sometimes. That isn't your fault. It's somebody's. She laughed awkwardly. We were pretty sure everything left, I thought. Ash had exhausted herself so that they could leave with a clear conscience. The beasties scattered. Only a couple of days and all I could find were cold trails. But a whole street just packing up and leaving? Hundreds of people, thousands even, just leaving? Maybe something went back, or something. Ash thought for a moment, so still that she looked like a statue. A nice one. Beautiful one. There are some places no one goes. Not a word about law, or permitted, or not. Just something everyone knows. Old women haunt the boundaries and collect up what they need for their spells and tonics. People hurry to see them and hurry away and say nothing of it. Not thin places. Bad places. Touched and dark at their heart, but tolerable at the edges. Forever? Some have been befouled as long as I've known them. Others have lost their darkness and been tamed. Is that kind of thing... Has it happened at other gates? My village disappeared. No roads even go there now. But it seems untroubled by anything magic. Just superstition that follows along a massacre. Well, we didn't kill you in at those gates. This is unprecedented. A good thing, though, right? It was good. My girl, what we did was the only right choice. I wish there was something to study. Books or something. I didn't learn to read and write for a good while. Oh. Ash tapped her nose. I did, though. You just remembered what you needed, right? I was hunting alone. I didn't think it wise to leave breadcrumbs for someone to follow. She hadn't thought of that. People wouldn't understand. People would kill anything different, much less someone as different as Ash. It was cool to have secret knowledge, and Ash was awesome, even if she did have to feed on people. But it would be nice to not have to start from scratch. I'll clean up if you want to start looking through newspapers. She scrubbed away in the soapy water, distracting herself by making sure everything was spotless. The TV was far louder than Ash, and the play of bad jokes and laugh track floated clearly to her, cheerful and familiar. Calming. She finished off feeling a little better than she started, and grabbed the whiskey and a couple of shot glasses before she left the kitchen. Anything? 
There was panicked rustling. Nothing so far. There was a long, guilty silence. What kind of country doesn't list the football scores? Ash sounded pained. I thought the Lions won. As if that's football. Heathen. She laughed as Ash pulled her down onto the sofa, into her arms. They watched TV and she got nicely soused on whiskey. Her guilty relief vanished behind a warm amber glow. They really shouldn't take a break from reading the papers, looking for links to last summer. That crazy part of summer, blurred by too much feeling. The part between sleeping with Ash for the first time and arriving in Vancouver, still feeling weak and just off somehow, in a way she couldn't put her finger on. Her hands had been bandaged so heavily that another passenger offered to help lift her suitcases onto a cart when they got to the baggage claim. Despite the rain and the cold, she'd worn the purple dress and tied her hair back, tried to be something better. Every step from the plane was harder, scared sick that Ash wouldn't be waiting at the arrival gate. She was, after all. Marianne hadn't cared what anyone around them thought. She'd pressed against Ash and cried like a soggy mess. Ash gave her a little shake, pulling her back into the present. Come, my girl. If you don't get some sleep, you're going to regret it on the water. Whales, she muttered. Whales and something else. She was forgetting something. She felt Ash lift her up. Whales, Ash said agreeably. As long as it isn't Moby goddamn dick. That's it for Chapter 2 of Sirens, the sequel to Mayfly. Give it two weeks and come back to see what this whale-watching thing is all about. In the meantime, you can follow me on most socials or check out my published books for Kindle at Amazon. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there.